Good evening, everybody. Welcome into To The Point. Hope you're all doing well <clears throat> as we start the show. Was planned to do this tomorrow, but then the Bills game got postponed till tomorrow afternoon, so I want to watch that live. So we're going to do it tonight. Here, a little Sunday Night Live edition halfway through the NFL playoffs. Three out of six games done in wildcard weekend. We'll recap the others on Tuesday. But I want to talk about the game so far and some other things that's happened in the world of sports over the last... 48 to 72 hours. Again, if I sound bad, I apologize. For some reason, my cold has gotten worse recently, This today in particular. This cough is lingering. Oh, it's frustrating. Now, I will say, I haven't taken an Advil, I haven't taken a Tylenol since I got sick because the human body is supposed to fix you. I don't really believe in taking pills. I think it's stupid. But... I'll get better when I'm better. I feel fine. It's just lingering. That's the operative word. But to me, Tylenol, Advil, they're for other people. You know, weaker people than me, I guess. And I'm not saying I'm the strongest person in the world, but I don't need them. Because like all of you, if you're still sticking with me after all this time, you know I'm a different kind of a cat, different breed, and so are you. Because you've stuck around. And you might like me. You might dislike me. You might just want to hear when I'm wrong, which is fine too. But we're powering through together tonight. Let's have a fun show. Because I'll tell you who's not having a fun time this evening. And that's Jerry Jones, who's still at the Cowboys game. And the game's not over. We're live because guess what? The game is over. 48-22 to for the Green Bay Packers. Woof. In Dallas, at Jerry World, and this game is over. The number two seeded Cowboys, the best chance they've had since 2016, maybe, to get to the NFC Championship game, something they haven't done since 1995. You get the Green Bay Packers, the youngest team in the NFL, at your home field, and you completely lay an egg. A disgusting performance. Something that is not surprising if you're a fan of the Cowboys, because the Cowboys do Cowboy things. You expect something, they lose. I equate these two teams all the time because they are very similar. The Dallas Cowboys, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they are loser franchises. They are loser teams. When you expect something from them, they will fail like clockwork. And the Cowboys did that tonight. Dakota Rain Prescott, a.k.a. Dak Prescott, had zero passing yards after the first quarter. One completion. That's it's hard to do, to be that inept. Two interceptions in the first half, and that's not even the story. To me, the story early in the game was the play calling by Mike McCarthy and just how predictable (laughs) and just how easy it was for the Packers to game plan and to do whatever the hell they wanted. On offense and defense, actually. On offense, I have this written down because it is quite something. 
Here's the Cowboys' first three possessions of the game. First down, run. Second down, run. Third down, pass. Well, that seems kind of predictable to me. Those are the first three possessions, first down, second down, third down. And on third down, on a couple drives, Dak doesn't throw a great pass to C.D. Lamb. There's a drop in there. You might look, oh, that's not good. But predictable, predictable, predictable. Easy. Joe Barry knew what was coming, the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Let's get our big package out the first, first and second down. The only positive play they had was Dak escaping and scrambling for a first down. But the stupidity continued. For instance, on a drive where Dak took a sack, where if he throws the ball away, they can kick a field goal because their field goal kicker has missed one field goal all season long. One, Brandon Aubrey, which is blocked. So he hasn't really missed any himself. So that's the offense. Defense, let's not cover the middle of the field. The linebackers are the weakest part of the Cowboys defense. We know this. They got Micah Parsons, Dorrance Armstrong, and Marcus Lawrence to attack the quarterback. Deron Bland, who's somehow an all-pro at corner. And Stephon Gilmore, who might be a future Hall of Famer. But if you're looking at the completed passes in this game, for the most part, it's not down the sideline. It's not where it's a, a man-to-man coverage and they made a great catch by Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs or others. It's Romeo Dobbs in the middle of the field, wide open. Breakdowns in coverage, middle of the field, wide open, and they could ever the hell they wanted. Three different catches Romeo Dobbs had in the middle of the field for 20-plus yard gains. He has a career-best day-to-day, over 150 yards receiving to this point, and a touchdown. <coughs> Pardon me. And it was easy. It wasn't a hard day for him. He could do whatever the hell he wanted. And again, there's no, okay, let's try to do this. There's no, oh, we see what they're trying to do. It's continued. Let's attack in the middle of the field. Linebackers, nobody there. Nobody helping covering Romeo Dobbs if he breaks off coverage. No plan. No identity. And big chunk play after bigger chunk play. And the Cowboys continue to wither. No answers. No answers in offense. The reason they have 24 points in this game is because the game was out of hand. The game was over when the Cowboys settled for a field goal to begin the third quarter. Because on that drive, Jordan Love did what he did the whole game. Was dominate. Jordan Love was in his first start, first playoff start. On the road, in Dallas, Jerry World. And to this point, he's 16 for 20, 272, three touchdowns. He's had pressure in his face. He's been throwing off his back foot. Micah Parsons must have hit him about four times today. And three touchdown passes to three different receivers. Wow. Aaron Jones has gone 19 for a buck 15, which ain't bad either. And 
a hat trick of touchdowns. But Jordan Love was better than Dak. He made some incredible back foot throws. Scrambling out of the pocket to find guys. Finding guys like Kraft on a big third down conversion. Christian Watson, wide receiver one for Green Bay, if you will, has one catch for nine yards in this game. A complete non-factor, and they are leading by over two scores. Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, the Young Packers, took it to Super Bowl champion Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones. An embarrassing game for the Cowboys. There were blowouts yesterday in the NFL, but the, the home teams won. They advanced. The Cowboys in a solo spot on Fox look like shit today. Couple things. Mike McCarthy, <laughs> Jerry Jones doesn't fire coaches for the most part. He kept Jason Garrett for a long time, way longer than he should have. Old 8-8 eight eight Jason Garrett, who is still on TV on NBC somehow, and he's the way he – if he can get a job in the media, I'll never give up hope that I could maybe get a job one day working in sports. That's That's – that's my goalpost. If he's still working, I'm going to keep giving it a go here. But Jason Garrett was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys for nearly a decade. And he's had a lot of games like today where you expect to win and you lose it or you go 8-8 eight and eight and you miss. Mike McCarthy has had 12, sorry, three 12-5 seasons. Won the division twice. And has never gotten to an NFC championship game. He beat the sad, sad Buccaneers last year with Tom Brady's last legs, but that's all he's done in Dallas. So, I don't think Mike McCarthy will last past 5 p.m. tomorrow. I think he's getting fired. It goes against Jerry Jones's history, but watching Jerry Jones today, his anger, he's not going to put up with it. This was a no-show. The coaches were prepared. They had no answers He'll let Dan Quinn go somewhere else, go coach the Seahawks, go coach elsewhere. But Mike McCarthy will be fired tomorrow by the Dallas Cowboys. I do think that Jerry Jones wants to hire Bill Belichick, who is available for the first time in 24 years. He wants a splash hire. He wants a guy that's won a Super Bowl running his team. Well, coaching the team while Jerry continues to run the team. And I will say, while I don't think Jerry Jones being the owner and being the GM of the Cowboys is a smart endeavor, I think for the most part over the last 25 years where they haven't won jack shit has resulted in negativity, has resulted in losses, and is one of the biggest reasons why the Dallas Cowboys haven't won a goddamn thing. But I can't say that for this season. The Dallas Cowboys have a good team. They should have won this game today. You could argue they have the better quarterback. They're more talented. C.D. Lamb was one of the most productive players over the last two-thirds of the season. 
and he was a non-factor today. But they were more talented than Green Bay. They're a better team than Green Bay. But they were a second-class citizen today. We're not in the same league as the Green Bay Packers. And Jerry Jones is not going to sit with that. He is going to make an adjustment. He's going to say, I need to do something. This is the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy, you were great while you were here, but this is it. I can't do this anymore. And while I'm sure Bill Belichick would love to take the Falcons job or maybe the Panthers, I think there's something about coaching for the Dallas Cowboys as well. The NFL would love for Bill Belichick to end up in Dallas. Makes them even more of a spotlight team. I can't say he's going to be the head coach yet because I don't know if he wants to work with Jerry. But what I will say is I think Mike McCarthy is gone. Somebody else will be the head coach, whether it's Bill Belichick or not. There's just It's a loss like today. You just can't have it. It just can't happen. They might score a touchdown here in the last three minutes and make it 48 to 30, and maybe you make yourself feel better. But those are garbage yards. Those That's garbage time. Nobody cares about that touchdown, about those points. They're irrelevant. They're a side note. As I look here, Dak Prescott. I thought it had a great year. You could make the argument he should be in the MVP running, which I wouldn't fight anybody if you have that opinion. But he gets to the playoffs, and he's not a great quarterback. Simple as that. 2016, his first playoff game, he lost to the Packers at home. Next season, they missed the playoffs. 2018, they missed the playoffs. To get back to the playoffs in 2019, they lose their only playoff game. 2020, he wins one playoff game, loses the next one. He's never won two playoff games in a row in his career. Dak Prescott. He can get you a division title. Get your home field, set you up in a position that'll never be better. But today, as I guess Dallas just scored a touchdown to make it 48-32. They could be in this game potentially if you don't throw that pick six right before the end of the half. That play, Darnell Savage, pick six, is the ultimate killer. It ruins all momentum, and you can go nowhere but down. They scored a touchdown more than that. It didn't matter. It was 27-7. to If you don't allow something there, 20-7, to you get the ball to start the second half. You get a touchdown on that drive. It's 20-14. to You are very much in the game. Anything can happen. But you give up the pick six, you're down 20 at the half. That's too much ground to make up. 
Those type of plays just can't happen. He's worked with Jason Garrett. Now he's worked with Mike McCarthy. The same result happens at the end of the day. They don't win. I still think he's a good quarterback. He's better than half the league, if not more than half the league. But the proof is in the pudding. And in the big moments, he doesn't play well. But you're not going to get rid of him because the upgrade on the quarterback probably is not going to happen. You need to get a better team around him, apparently, or a new coach. That's what's going to transpire. But to me, he's had a lot of opportunities this career in San Francisco last year where San Francisco did not play great. Dallas just played worse. They lost again because they just simply could not make plays. I started to believe in the Cowboys this year. Me, who doesn't buy in on stupid narratives and teams that never do anything. That's why I might sound like a hater sometimes when I tell people in my life, don't get, don't get hopeful about the Leafs. Don't get hopeful on the Cowboys because they never win. And when you're an organization that has done it forever, why, would you, why should you expect change? It's like somebody who's an addict. If they don't take the first step to get better, then how can you help them? Why would you expect something different? But I even bought in. I thought they were going to the Super Bowl. I really did. In the NFC, that I think is very winnable. San Francisco, that I don't think it's, it is a world beater. But you lose to the seven seed. The team that barely got into the playoffs with Jordan Love, the guy who's replacing Aaron Rodgers. And not only do you lose, you get crushed. With 229 to play. Down 48 to 32. I don't know. They I thought they were gonna go on a deep run. And I think this opens up a lot of room for the NSC for teams to play around. San Francisco has gotta be happy. To me. Tonight's game between the Rams and the Lions is even bigger than it already was because I think the winner of that game is... I'll be so bold. I think the winner of tonight's Rams-Lions game will be in the NFC Championship game. How's that? Because the Rams don't got to play the 49ers if they win tonight. They'll play Tampa or the Eagles. Tell you what, I'm taking the Rams against either team straight up. Don't even give me the point spread. I don't care. Give the Eagles seven against the Rams. I'll take the Rams plus seven all day, every day. I think the Rams are going to win tonight. I got the Rams plus three in Detroit. But if Detroit can win this game, they're beating their next opponent. They'll beat, they'll beat a sad sack uh, Eagles team or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Truly believe that. Doesn't matter. They're better than those teams. Cowboys, I don't think the Lions are beating the Cowboys in Dallas. I didn't think that was going to happen. Rams, tougher time. So I see my friend Nick Gilbert chime in. 
Green Bay money line for my boy Hunter Wood. Yeah, I know Hunter's another another Cowboy fan. God, Leaf fan and a Cowboy fan. That's a miserable life. Sorry, Hunter. But you made that choice, so why should I say sorry? I don't feel bad. That's your that's your choice in life. You like misery. So suck at Kathy Bates. But I think it completely opens the door for those teams to go on a run and to you say, okay, give us the 49ers or give us the Packers. Packers are tough. For the 49ers, I don't think they're in a winnable situation unless you had the Lions and the Cowboys win. I think that's their perfect world because then you get Eagles or Bucks, and both teams stink, if you ask me. Might actually be one of the better games of the weekend because I think they're both pretty even matched and neither of them is that good of a team. Philly used to be, but they're not anymore, and A.J. Brown isn't playing tomorrow night. But now... They're guaranteed to play the Packers. Guaranteed to play the Packers next week in Santa Clara. If it was Aaron Rodgers playing in that game for the Packers, I'd be hammering the 49ers, but I'm curious to see the line now. Because the Packers, again, you get to go. They're used to playing outside. They played in a dome tonight, and they crushed it. If you're playing in a warm environment in San Francisco, I think they'll be fine there. I think this is oof, a tougher road for the San Francisco 49ers. You're a one seed, you get a bye. You think it's great? I think it's a way tougher road than what it could have been if the favorites just win. Because I don't want to play the Rams. If I was San Francisco winning this, I don't want to play the Rams. And you're happier it's the Packers than it is the Rams. But it's a tougher game. But the Rams, to me, as they go play the Lions tonight, are a scary team. Stafford, the way he can throw it around, he's used to playing in domes. Used to playing just supremely confidently and just getting it done. Revenge game back to Detroit where he got traded to the Rams. Revenge game for Jared Goff. I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I can't wait to watch it. It starts in about 45 minutes. Best game of the weekend. But to me, it opens up the entire NFC with the Cowboys losing because I had the Cowboys going to the Super Bowl. So now I need to recalibrate, which stupid egg on my face for banking on the Cowboys. But tonight's game, I do like the Rams to beat the Detroit Lions. And at the very, I like take, I would take Rams money line. But I like Rams plus three. Little Parlayski, Rams plus three and Rams money line. Yes, you can do that because I've done it. Also, Sam Laporta is active for the Detroit Lions. They're all pro tight end rookie. He's great. Wouldn't mind taking Laporta anytime touchdown on that little parlay either. Just a thought. I'm not telling you what to do, but saying I might have done that parlay for later. Even with the injury, Laporta has been, the I think, the best tight end in the NFL all damn season. Jared Goff loves throwing the football to him. And they have a great connection. But for, for Green Bay, Jordan Love, heck of an effort today. 
best <laughs> pardon me best quarterback in the NFL over the last eight, nine games of the season. And that carried into today. He had four damn incompletions. Three touchdowns, no turnovers. Big throw after big throw. Dominant in the red zone. Didn't matter. They found a way. And again, I think they're a dangerous opponent. Because they have belief and they have nothing to lose. They were a seven and a half point underdog today. They're going to win the game outright. On the road in Dallas. Where nobody in the media, nobody in the crowd, nobody pretty much anywhere other than Wisconsin. And maybe my boy Big Sherm wanted Green Bay to win. But I don't even know if my friend Sherm's actually a Green Bay fan. Seems like a bit of a turncoat Green Bay fan to me. Seems like a weird kind of a fan. Johnny come lately, if you know what I mean. Other than people in Wisconsin, maybe him, there's nobody else that wanted Green Bay to win. And yet they did. And you're the seventh seed. You can ride this momentum. They've done it before with Aaron Rodgers. Can Jordan Love keep this going? Because we know one matchup next week. It is San Francisco hosting the Green Bay Packers. And I think it's going to be a great game. Last two times Green Bay's played in San Francisco in the playoffs, Green Bay lost. But those two times were with Aaron Rodgers. Different circumstances, different teams. San Francisco's been really the best team in the NFL since about week seven. But as I just said, Jordan Love's been the best quarterback in the NFL since about week eight. So something's got to give. Fun matchup, Lions-Rams tonight. We'll play Eagles and Bucks tomorrow. That line, let me find it for you here on the little... FanDuel Sportsbook app. Don't mind if I do. NFL. The Eagles are a two and a half point road favorite. That line's been going down all week. Went down another half point after A.J. Brown was ruled out for the game yesterday. He's also deleted all of the Eagles off his social media, which is something players are doing now. So petulant. So Gen Z. So ugh, just stupid. But nevertheless, way to go, Millennials. I like the Buccaneers plus two and a half. Houston was a home dog yesterday. They crushed, won the game outright. I think the Bucs win at home tomorrow night. Baker Mayfield riding the wave. No A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith banged up. Jalen Hurts banged up. Eagles no confidence. Rumors swirling about Nick Sirianni. He could be another coach in the NFC East that could be fired if the playoffs don't go well. To me, the Bucks, Eagles, there's not a huge difference. A compromised Jalen Hurts 
no run game, no A.J. Brown. I'm going with the Bucks plus two and a half tomorrow night. So I like both underdogs to win. I like Bucks to win tomorrow, and I like the Rams to win tonight in the NFC. So that'd be three dogs winning outright in the NFC if that does happen. The Lions could easily win tonight. That's a very close game. But I'm going with Bucks plus two and a half tomorrow. It's also Steelers Bills tomorrow because of the snowstorm that got flexed. 5.30 tomorrow afternoon. That was, I love that, personally. Get home from work, I got an NFL game on. Martin Luther King Day. By the way, could that be a holiday in Canada? Because that's actually a holiday I agree with, Martin Luther King. One of the best Americans ever. But no, we're going to celebrate Queen Elizabeth Day, which is for my mother and maybe her only, and Family Day, whatever the hell that is. Can we get rid of one of those stupid holidays to replace with Martin Luther? I think that'd be a good idea, but Trudeau, get on it, bud. I know you got a lot of stuff on your plate, but maybe. We'll see. Pitt Buffalo is a 10-point favorite against the Steelers. Weather is still going to be shitty. They're trying to clean the snow up as we speak in Buffalo. I think it's going to be a sloppy game. Both teams running the football a ton. Josh Allen will have a turnover or two. You know he will. The Steelers are just off playing in a game that was full of rain against the Ravens. They found a way to win that game. They covered the number. I think the Steelers are going to cover tomorrow. I'm not saying the Steelers are going to win because I think the Bills will win at home. But I think if you're giving me Steelers plus 10, I'm going to take it. Because every game this season, the Bills have been a big favorite. Chargers. Giants. They find a way to let the other team cover the number. And it'll happen again tomorrow. I think Buffalo wins by at least a touchdown, but I don't think they win by 10+. plus. I'm banking on Mike Tomlin, Mason Rudolph to come up with a few plays. The way they ran the football with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren down the stretch. They'll do it again tomorrow. Again, a sloppy, sloppy game in the snow freezing in Buffalo. And I think the Steelers are going to cover the number. But I love a football game on a 5.30 on a Monday. We get this every week. Plus there's afternoon hockey and basketball tomorrow. Oh, just great. Again, we'll start the petition here on To The Point. Martin Luther King Day to replace either Family Day or Queen Elizabeth Day for a holiday here in Canada. Because who gives a shit about those? Because somebody has actually done something for you know the world you know, or the history. That's positive. They've already made the show The Crown, Downton Abbey, enough stupid shows that I'll never watch. Let's get rid of them. Ugh, junk. But I digress. We can't get everything we want in life. Let's talk about the games yesterday. The game in Kansas City. 
I hate winter. I do. There's nothing about it I like. I get that from my father. It's inherited. And the snow sucks, when, you know, winter, cold, ice. There's just nothing good about it. I don't snowmobile. It's all crap. And last night's game at Arrowhead Stadium truly looked dreadful. It looked like a miserable time. Mike McDaniel, that poor bastard, he could have had more layers on, just freezing on the sidelines. Andy Reid, the veteran that he is, the legend, just basically out there doing whatever the hell he wanted. And the game kind of went the way I thought the game was going to go. The Dolphins hit one big play to Tyreek Hill, which happens once a game. And the rest of the game, nothing happened. They couldn't complete passes. They couldn't run the football. And the Chiefs, who aren't great, dominated them. <coughs> Pardon me. It was a no contest. Nothing happened. And the Chiefs get a victory. And probably the biggest highlight from the game was Taylor Swift doing some dance with Brittany Mahomes. I still don't know what it is. Maybe the millennials can tell me. But they were doing some dance up in the press box and sure looked like a fun time. But the Dolphins needed to play at home. The Dolphins are not built for winter. And they played that game like I expected most Floridians or warm weather people to play in the freezing cold. It looked miserable, and it looked like they wanted that game to end. And it was not close. I thought the Chiefs' game plan was solid. They ran the football with Pacheco. Rasheed Rice had over 100 yards receiving in his first playoff game. Mahomes showed some stuff that could translate as we go forward, which could help the Chiefs win some games moving forward, whether it is if they go to play the Bills or if there's an upset and they get, you know, potentially uh, Houston at home next week. And we got to wait to see what happens with that Bills game to determine what's happening in the AFC. But the Dolphins, it's... Back-to-back years, they make the playoffs, and they don't win a playoff game. Lose on the road in Buffalo, lose on the road in Kansas City. This season was not a success for the Dolphins, and I will not be convinced otherwise. If you have aspirations of going far and you have the exact same results you had the year before, it's not a success. Tyreek Hill had the greatest receiving season in Miami history. Great. It's in the record books. Tua Tagovailoa played every game. Played every snap. Did not get a concussion. That's a victory for his career. He might have earned himself a big contract in the offseason. That's a win for him. But as a team, they did not have success. Because over the last five weeks of the season, they blew their chance at having home field. They blew the game against the Titans. They got crushed on the road against Baltimore, and they laid an egg against the Bills at home in the final week of the season. (coughs) 
pardon me. They had control from week 10 on, and they don't play a home playoff game, and you see what happens. And you're not even close to winning a game against the vulnerable Chiefs who have looked human and average the entire season. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Because that tells you you were never there to begin with. If you're a team that has to play at home, that you need to be in a certain location to win, you are not truly a threat. You are not, you're not a Super Bowl contender. You're not a great team. Because you need everything to go your way for it to be successful. Tom Brady won in, uh, won in Gillette. He won in a dome. He won on the road. He won. It didn't matter. He found a way to win. Joe Montana found a way to win. Patrick Mahomes, he's going to prove it this year. Can you win games outside of Arrowhead Stadium? Because in all likelihood, he's going to have to win a game in Buffalo next week to advance to an AFC Championship game. But it has to be Miami. It has to be perfect. It has to be a dome. You can beat all the bad teams in the world. But when you get to play a good team and it's freezing cold outside because it's January, that's when the going gets tough. That's when you separate the men from the boys and you see what happens. Tua's a good quarterback. He is. Mike McDaniel's a good coach. As I talked about last week, one of the best coaches in Dolphin history already for what he's done, his innovative offense. And despite the fact that he looks like he reads 80 books a day, and he's a nerd, and he wouldn't know anything about athletics. He knows what he's doing. But I think if you're Mike Greer, who's the GM, I think you got to look at your team and go, our style, our team does not travel, and it does not translate to every type of situation. We go on the road, we lose. We get in the freezing cold, we lose. They were frauds all along. Dolphins being dolphins. (coughs) And while I think Kansas City is a mediocre team, I saw something yesterday that gives me pause a little bit, and I go, maybe. Maybe there's something there with Mahomes, who didn't play great, but to be honest, the conditions were horrible. Pacheco, who was great. Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey showed life. I still think the receiving core is beyond average, but I saw something. Something that makes me go, Who knows? Maybe this team can win the big game. But I'm not surprised by this result. Said it Thursday on the podcast. Miami's never going to win this game. That was never a game. The most optimistic fans didn't expect the Dolphins to win this game. It was over when they lost to the Bills on Sunday. That's when their season ended. We can put it in a bow, make you feel better. But it's over. 
There's people that you can make the argument. You can say, oh, you can worry about somebody's feeling or be harsh. I'd rather be harsh because it, if somebody's going to be sad now or sad in a few days, what the fuck does it matter? It's, it's both are honest. Both are one's and one's honest. One's just kind of cowardice. I'd rather just think be honest right from the get go. You're done. Family members, Dolphins fans. I told my mother they were done last week. I got her mentally prepared. I think that's me being a good son, being aware of what's going to happen. She thought I texted her last night, choke job, to talking about the Dolphins. No, I was talking about her other team who lost, who choked away a game last night. I just, I, I mean, sometimes you just got to be honest with people, right? Dolphins were never going to win that game. They were never in that game. That wasn't a game. It was cold as hell. And would I have gone if I was offered free tickets? Yes. But would I have enjoyed it? No. Hell no. That looked miserable to be there. But kudos to those people that went. Some people had no shirt on. <sighs> Tougher and braver than me. I'll tell you that. But Kansas City awaits their next opponent. In all likelihood will be the Buffalo Bills. If they can win tomorrow at home as a 10-point favorite. Jordan Love... And C.J. Stroud basically had the same game this weekend. Both were in their first playoff game. Yes, Jordan Love sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years, but he's a de facto rookie. C.J. Stroud is a rookie quarterback. First playoff game at home in Houston. And he couldn't have played better. He was one slight overthrow in the first half from going over 300 yards in four touchdowns. But in the first half, he goes 276 yards passing, three touchdowns, and Houston as a home underdog on FanDuel wins the game outright and dominates the Cleveland Browns. A complete ass-whooping. First half, it was about the offense for Houston. Second half, it was about the defense. C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback, D'Amico Ryans, rookie quarterback. The first time in NFL history that a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach have won a playoff game together as the partnership. C.J. Stroud's already one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, period. Josh Allen, Mahomes... Aaron Rodgers, C.J. Stroud's in that conversation. Nico Collins was a virtual unknown until they linked up, and now Nico Collins is a stud. His game yesterday, only 6 for 96, one touchdown, but he makes every big catch you need him to make. But Dalton Schultz had one catch for 37 yards, touchdown. Brevin Jordan, one catch for 76 yards, and a touchdown. Singletary on the ground. <coughs> John Mechie, the Canadian who had cancer, missed all of his rookie season, had three catches for 44 yards. Cleveland's defense, which was their calling card all season long, had no answers. 
Big play after big play in the air. Massive yardage, hole after hole. And C.J. Stroud just continued to make the throws. And while Cleveland did enough on offense in the first half to keep it a 10-point game, to keep it 24-14, in the second half, Joe Flacco, which was a great story, but over his career, he was known for throwing interceptions. He threw two, and he threw two pick sixes. Other than those two interceptions, I thought he played pretty well. And Joku made some big catches. He threw a touchdown to Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt had two touchdowns in the game. But Houston's defense started to get to him, started to hit him, get some sacks. Pressure on third and fourth downs, which got them off the field. And Houston wins a playoff game that I don't think anybody expected them to. Seeing a home dog, I had to bet on Houston. But they're kind of in the same situation as Green Bay, and it's weird because they're the fourth seed. They won a division. They had a home playoff game, but they're a team with nothing to lose. They had the second and third picks in the NFL draft last year, and they're both playing great. C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. Both captains in their rookie seasons. D'Amico Ryan's multiple-time Super Bowl, uh, sorry, uh, NFC Championship game Super Bowl appearances with San Francisco as a defensive coordinator. I've loved him forever. I thought he should have been a head coach before this year. He gets the perfect landing spot in Houston, and now they're playing with nothing to lose. They might play Baltimore next week, which would not be an easy matchup for Baltimore, if you ask me, because you have to deal with Stroud, who can air it out down the field, and the corners are not exactly the, the best part of the Baltimore defense. It's not their strength especially with Marlon Humphrey being banged up for most of the season. But to me, <clears throat> Stefanski had five quarterbacks. He was great. The fact that they got to the playoffs, were the fifth seed, Joe Flacco off the coach, all that's great. You go head-to-head, D'Amico versus Kevin Stefanski. I think D'Amico Ryans is the coach of the year. To get a playoff win in this situation, rookie coach, he might win coach of the year. If it's not Dan Campbell or potentially Shanahan in San Francisco. Because he had the best record, which I'm never against. If you want to give coach of the year every year to the coach with the best record because they had the best team, I don't think that's crazy at all. I think that makes the most sense, actually, but it rarely happens that way. It goes to the new guy in the block or the best story, whatever it might be. But if it was D'Amico Ryans or Kevin Stefanski, one guy beat the other yesterday. And actually, Houston owns Cleveland's first-round pick. So by Houston winning, it improves uh, Houston's draft pick this year because it's Cleveland's. So it helps them in multiple fronts, keeps them alive, hoping to potentially represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. But Stroud's just fantastic. They might not get to a Super Bowl this year because their team isn't good enough yet, but if they can keep retooling in the AFC South that's kind of in this weird position, they can be a contender. They can be a threat. 
because they had the quarterback. They have the pass rusher. They have the parts to do it. And C.J. Stroud is amazing. He can do it all. And Nico Collins is going to be earning himself some money in the offseason as well because he does it week in, week out for the Houston Texans, making big catch after big catch. We got some games tonight. Also this weekend, we learned, (coughs) pardon me, Gerard Mayo was hired as the Patriots' new head coach, had been the linebacker's coach for the last three years, was the member of the Patriots for seven. They clearly had a succession plan in place. It was in his contract. He was going to be the guy to usurp Bill Belichick. He's been there before. He knows the Patriots' way. Clearly, they think he's earned it. He has the trust of the locker room. I'm sure he's a fine coach. He was a good player, Super Bowl champion. To me, the bigger deal is who's going to be the GM? Who's picking the players that Gerard Mayo is going to be working with? Because that's been Bill Belichick for nearly 25 years. And... Bringing in a fresher voice, I think they should hire a guy that hasn't worked for the Patriots, quite frankly. You kind of keep a guy that was attached to Belichick. Could you bring in a GM that's never worked for the Patriots, that's been somewhere else having success? I think that's the best way to go, personally. That's the way i go. Like, say, Washington football team, they hired San Francisco's assistant GM, Adam Peters. He won Super Bowls in New England and in Denver. So he's been around the block. He's helped John John Lynch build these great San Francisco teams. I think that's a smart hire because he's been around winning programs. He's picked these players. He's worked with smart people. Who that'll be for the Patriots, I don't know. But finding that person to lead drafts and find players and to pick a quarter to pick the quarterback with the third pick. Draft a wide receiver that can play. Those are the tasks for the for the general manager because this Patriots group right now is truly one of the least talented groups in the whole NFL. Any team, their skill position players are as bad as it gets. They are just devoid of talent and they need a whole lot of it. They need it brought in and they need stability and just Belief brought back into that room. If you trade Mac Jones, can you get anything for him? A a guy who went 15th overall. Could you get anything from him on the trade market? Do any teams want him as a backup quarterback or as a project moving forward? I don't think New England's going to keep him. I don't think he wants to remain in New England, which I think is smart on both sides. But explore options with him. The University of Alabama, Nick Nick Saban retires. They have hired Kalen DeBoer, who is formerly the head coach at Washington, who was the you know in the national championship game on Monday. He's won over a hundred games in college football. I believe he's one hundred and ten and twelve overall in all the stops. He's coached at Fresno State. He's coached at Washington. Went un, went undefeated until the national championship game this year. 
I don't know how attractive this job is going to be. I think it's a really tough position to come in. We see Jalen Milrow, who obviously is Alabama's starting quarterback. He's entered the transfer portal. He's leaving. Isaiah Bond, Alabama's top wide receiver, has entered the portal, and today he's he's uh, committed to join the University of Texas. And most of them are saying they are leaving because they because Nick Saban's retired. It's not the same coach. They don't know what DeBoer is like and what it's going to be. He needs to find a new quarterback. He needs to find new skill position players through the portal. He's been successful at Washington. But, I mean, it's not Nick Saban. It's a whole new world. You're in the SEC. You're competing with Georgia. You're competing with Lane Kiffin, with Texas now, who always seems to land great transfers like they got in Adonai Mitchell last year, who transferred from Georgia to Texas. So, you know, coaching in the Pac-12 is one thing, and recruiting to the Pac-12 is one thing. But now you're in the SEC, you're in the best conference in college football with the best coach, with the best recruiters, with the programs who have the best, who have the most money. Texas, Texas A&M, they are all boosting. They all have more money to spend on NIL than Alabama does. That's why Nick Saban retired in, the, in one of the big reasons. Because he was sick of doing it and he didn't have the money to compete with these bigger schools. And really that's how you get the best players and how you win. He said it's just a pain in the ass. He didn't want to do it anymore. Didn't have the energy. Well, I think Alabama, since they lost on Monday, or since they lost last week to Michigan, I think they've had something like 26 players, 27 players, enter the transfer portal, leaving the team. And there's probably more the last couple days since Nick Saban officially retired and Kalen DeBoer got brought on. So he's got a tough job in front of him to try to figure this out, find the money, find the right players, keep this program relevant because it's been the best program in college football for nearly 20 years since Saban left the Dolphins to come to Alabama. Also, Cameron Ward, former quarterback at at Washington State, has committed to University of Miami, said he was going to go pro. He's going to be the quarterback at the U next season. So good land for Mario Cristobal at the University of Miami. And it's just, I mean, college football is crazy. Always things happening. Players, you expect to be someplace. They say, you know what, I was here for a day. I'm sick of it. Maybe there's more money. There's a better opportunity for me elsewhere. So, That'll be going on all offseason long. Washington's still looking for a new head coach. So it sounds like they're going to hire Arizona's head coach of last year, who had a great year, won his bowl game. So he very well could be another rock star hire. But that's kind of the, the football update because there's always something happening in, in football today. Let's see. What else can we talk about? This is something. The Edmonton Oilers won last night, beat Montreal overtime. Not Beating Montreal is not a tough – that's not uh, something you don't expect because Montreal is not a very good team. 
But the Oilers won their 10th game in a row last night. Which is a franchise record, but I just found that surprising. Wayne Gretzky played for the Oilers. Mark Messier. Paul Coffey. Some good players, right? They never won 10 games in a row. And that just shocked me. So McDavid and Co. New franchise record. The Kings lost their eighth straight game. So at one point, Oilers were 15, almost 20 points back. They're now one point back of the Kings, both with the same amount of games played. So the Oilers are just running through it now. Stuart Skinner's found his game. Calvin Pickard's been very good in relief when he's had to step in between the pipes. They're just a scary team to play right now, the Edmonton Oilers. And I believe they got the Maple Leafs on Tuesday in Edmonton. So gear up for that, Leafs fans. Another 10 p.m. start. I know that's tough, but Leafs and Oilers on Tuesday. Always a fun matchup. The Oilers have won 10 in a row. New franchise record. Evan Bouchard with the overtime game winner. Los Angeles struggling big time. Also this weekend. Corey Perry is eligible to sign with any team in the NHL. I knew this would happen. I expect him to sign with another team this season. I'll actually be stunned if he didn't. He's going to. And I think it's going to be... I have like a list of four teams. Number one, and this is where I think he's going to go, is the Colorado Avalanche. Colorado, who one of the best teams in the league, team I predicted to win the Stanley Cup. Nathan McKinnon, hard to argue, he's not the best player in the world right now, the way he's playing. They're just a unit of a team. They're strong, they're physical, they're fast. Georgiev has the most wins, most game played in the NHL this year of any goaltender. They're just rock solid. I like their group. Cogliano on the fourth line is great. Cogliano used to play with Corey Perry in Anaheim. I think Corey Perry on the team's a perfect fit. I think they're missing somebody like him. We don't know all the true, you know, what's actually happened in Chicago. All I know, prior to Chicago, he had a perfect rap sheet. The only people that had a problem with Corey Perry were the teams that he played against, and I don't care about those people. I love Corey Perry. He had nine points in 16 games on one of the worst teams in the league to start the season. He will be signed. He's team number one. Team number two, Toronto. Toronto could have signed him for league minimum before he went to Montreal. They didn't. He then went to Montreal, beat Toronto in a playoff series, and went to a Stanley Cup final. They should regret that. Toronto should want him. Don't know if this is if if everybody knows this. Ryan Reeves is healthy for the Maple Leafs. He's just not playing. He's been a healthy scratch for the like the last five games. Corey Perry's better than Ryan Reeves. He's faster. He's a smarter player. He does everything better than Ryan Reeves at this point. The fact that Ryan Reeves got a three-year deal from the Maple Leafs was stupid from the get-go. And okay, you can eat it in the minors, or you can buy him out in the offseason. Again. Bottom fourth line player, Corey Perry, penalty kill, piss some guys off, 
put him on a line with Bobby McMahon, have your fourth line be one of the best in the National Hockey League, and make it an addition that's going to cost you no money that you don't have to address at the trade deadline. Go get him now. It's not a trade yet to make. Focus on getting defensemen, which is what you need for the rest of the year if you really want to put yourself in position to win a Stanley Cup. Because right now, with your defense score, you're not winning one. I like Toronto. Number three, I still think Tampa would be a fit. If he has interest in going back, if they want to bring him in, they've played a lot of games, but they're playing better hockey as of late. Nikita Kucherov still leads the National Hockey League in scoring. Again, put him on the bottom of the lineup. Be a pain in the ass. Be the worm. I think there's a fit there. <coughs> I also think Dallas, if he wants to go back to a team he played on, a Central, uh, a Central Edition ad, or the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg, who lost for the first time in forever last night. Winnipeg's a great team. They they could use some more depth on their team, better players. They don't like to trade. They don't like to be aggressive with the trade deadline. Again, it's a guy that's not going to cost you anything that you can bring in to help your team. So Corey Perry, available to these teams, and I think he will be scooped up. Canucks win again. Elias Pettersson's just been on a roll they win in Buffalo. They finish up a road trip tomorrow afternoon in Columbus after they almost didn't get there because of the, the storm currently going on in Buffalo. But Kraken win again. Hurricanes win in overtime. Dallas gets a victory. Boston finishes off a road trip with a victory in St. Louis. Flames win in Vegas. They're completely you know, in the middle right now, Markstrom is reportedly may might be available, might not be available. So it's all a little bit confusing as we move ahead here. But I want to come on and just kind of talk about these games a little bit. We still got, we'll recap three games from the NFL on Tuesday. So we'll watch them tomorrow. We, we, uh, we'll talk about them on Tuesday. We'll go get into the UFC weekend on Tuesday as well because there's a lot happening there. We got UFC 297 this coming weekend in Toronto. Sean Stricken, Sean Strickland, pardon me, Drickus Duplessis for the middleweight championship. Can't wait to watch that. So we'll be back on Tuesday. It's all the Cowboys fans. Sorry. I didn't even see this coming. But maybe you'll get a new head coach. That's a multiple-time Super Bowl champion by the end of the week. Maybe. Maybe. Thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate the support. I apologize for the voice, the cough. But we'll hopefully we'll be better on Tuesday. Until then, take care. Just to the point.